Hello, everybody. This is another preview of one of our overtime episodes, this one being part three of our rank and file series. We talk about the CTU's uh, rebuilding of their union all the way up into the 2012 strike. And we also talk about Burgerville workers and the IWW. And if you want the whole thing, you can get that by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash workstoppage. If you can't afford to become a patron, go ahead and hop in the Discord and message one of the admins. We'd be happy to hook you up with this really important information. Now, I guess with not much further ado, uh, here is the preview of, of our third part of the Rank and File series. Solidarity forever. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, when you've had, you know, several decades of basically unchallenged, you know, business unionist con- domination mm-hmm. of the union, it's very easy to, like, dismiss upstart challengers as just like, oh, well, these people don't have any real chance. What I need to do is consolidate my own power. And so, mm. like... Democrat uh, brain. Yes, very much so. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and in this case, a terminal case. Uh, and so like by the spring of 2009, uh, core members had built enough support that they held their own convention and began to really like solidify the structure of their caucus as they aim to, to, you know, rebuild their union. Uh, they did things like they set affordable dues. Like, so for, to be a part of this caucus, the dues were a whopping. And we, you know, we hear all the time of how dues are just going to take away from your paycheck. And they did set a really heavy burden of $35 a year. <laughs> so like, yeah, I mean, it's, it, this is one of the things that you see with, you know, like a rank and file, like, caucus is it's like well since the members get to vote on all this stuff they're gonna set dues that they can actually pay um right. they uh they ratified a mission statement that actually like explained what like why they were forming the caucus what they were fighting for and they also focused on increasing attendance at cps board meetings that the chicago public school board meetings um and so in june of that year the teachers filed a discrimination charge against the cps administration based on the fact that most of the the teachers that were actually being affected by the wave of school closures that the city administration was trying to to ram through were shockingly schools that actually had a high percentage of of black teachers mm-hmm. and so i mean shockingly th- obviously said sarcastically there <laughs> yeah, right right yeah it's like whoa oh they want to close schools and it's mostly schools in you know lower income areas where they there's the schools actually have a decent number of like black teachers to represent, you know, the area that they live in. What a shock that a democratic administration would try and close the schools down and replace them with charter schools. But like, I mean, so this also played into this attempt. This was something that was really big in the early two thousands that I feel like people may not be as like, remember for but the teach for america thing that was really going on in the early 2000s where they're like we're gonna basically send like young white teachers into urban areas as missionaries like because that's so much of like what that campaign felt like and so but the idea really behind it because it's one of those things that it sounds good on the front page like we're gonna send more teachers into these areas that have been struggling which sure we always want you know more money into public school systems but 
this was at the expense of existing teachers. So the number of African-American teachers was declining rapidly, uh, where when the new schools would then hire Teach for America recruits, younger teachers, predominantly white teachers, which was shifting the demographics of Chicago's teaching force. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, bringing down the pay scale, because again, you're pushing out older teachers, more established teachers, people with more seniority mm-hmm. who have been around longer and maybe are more willing to fight for you know their, their benefits and their, their wages and replacing them with people right out of school. And, and, and there was a, this whole thing's uh, reputation was laundered through a series of very shitty movies and television yes. shows about like white teachers who had to learn to communicate with their <laughs> yeah. urban black students. And it was just very shameful uh, media production. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was basically like the whole thing there was basic was, was like lionizing gentrification in a really yes. weird way. Um, cause this, I actually think it ties a lot into if folks have ever listened to, uh, the citations needed where they talk about the concept of urban pioneering, a lot mm-hmm. of the same vibes there, but anyway, he's getting back to the actual, you know, the union. Uh, and, and so like the other thing that this was doing was that there was a long established tradition of teachers living in the neighborhoods that they taught in, which is something I would think most people would find desirable because it's going to make it more easy to relate to the students that you're teaching and therefore for them to actually have a reason to listen to you. Um, and so the, the charge that the, the, that core workers brought did end up getting dismissed because huge surprise, the, you know, city administration isn't set up to work for the actual rank and file, but it was a very important measure because it showed the teachers that this group core and, you know, Jem, the, the ally group were willing to stand up and fight for issues that teachers really cared about. And so that helped grow the movement as like the rank and file insurgency within, um, the CTU, which is, I think that, I think that's a really important point because like, obviously when we aim for any sort of action, you know, as a, if you're, whether you're an insurgent like group within a union, whether you're a new independent union, whether you're doing this as a, like part of a political project, obviously we always want to aim to win every time, but there's different ways of winning because when you're starting out small and you're building a base, showing that you're willing to fight for something, even if you don't necessarily have the best odds, can still win you something because you can build your base to, you know, grow for fighting future issues. And I think this is a really good example of this with these teachers when they were first building core. And so after that charge, after, you know, it didn't succeed in that August, they ran members for leadership positions across the union and their Activision paid off with core members winning based on their plans for preparing for the upcoming 2012 contract negotiations. They actually won such a commanding victory that every single officer in the CTU after those elections was a core slate member, including many of the lower level ones like area vice presidents, vice presidents for every type of school and grade level. And all these newly elected officers were on the same program united in their vision of rebuilding the union and actually, you know, fighting for the workers, which that gave core a big advantage because now like the work of actually winning over all the individual delegates from the the different schools to the program of core, the program of the rank and file of actually going to be more of a militant union. Now they had, you know, members within the structure and within the bureaucracy of the CTU capable of bringing that message 
all across the city. And so that, that really helped them to spread the, the, the program that they were trying to build. And so like one of the other things that they did to really help mobilize the teachers to participate in the work of the union was that, so CTU delegates meet on this or at the time met on the second Wednesday of every month to make union policy. And under the previous class collaborationist leadership, these were not very well attended. Like people were just like, well, these aren't going to change anything. Why would I go to this? It'd be incredibly boring. I'm not going to have any input. And like that helped serve the entrenched bureaucracy within the union because they're like, we don't want to change things. We think we got a good thing going here. So the fewer people attend this, the fewer people ask questions, the better. Now, so that, and it was actually so low, the, the, the attendance that they wouldn't even always make quorum to vote on any new changes. So like, even if there was somebody who showed up who was mad, they may not have had enough people to actually call for a vote. And so it, it really helped the folks within the leadership of the CTU who wanted to maintain the status quo as it was. And so like the, it actually got like so bad that when they first tried sending folks there to try and make changes, to try and raise objections, the old, the workers from the old administration caucus that had been running the union, they, they would just take the mic and talk for so long during the officer reports at the beginning of the meeting that they would just run out the clock <laughs> and, and, and then like it would end up delegates would just end up leaving <laughs> because they're just like, well, I'm not, I'm never able to get a word in edgewise. And so when core finally won in 2009 and took over the union, they completely changed that around. And so starting in, in like when the, the next school year, September, 2010, now these meetings are full, like, to the point of having like 800 teacher delegates showing up at these meetings and wanting to participate in the operation of the union and better understand how it functioned and be able to implement the new program. And like it got to the point where there were, there were so many teachers showing up that they had to have like a line around, like basically around the periphery of the room for all the people who wanted to speak on a resolution. And like, it got to the point where the number of people that were participating in these monthly meetings was like the equivalent of what the number of people you'd see at some like yearly or, or biannual like union conventions for some shops. So a complete turnaround under the new leadership as far as actual participation. Yeah. It's crazy yeah. how high the union uh, engagement gets when you actually put rank and file organizations in charge of the union. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, they kept this up for a while and then, uh, you know, still kept building up the, uh, you know, listening to people and making sure that actually, like, rank and file members were heard. And in January 2012, they started, uh, you know, they started contract negotiations. And uh, this was basically what they determined. And and Jane in this book talks about like structure tests for unions, which is basically like how is it that we determine if we even have the power to do an action? So like we talked, uh, they talked about, uh, or I guess like Dan said earlier about you know filing that grievance about the fired um, black teachers. And that being kind of like, a, you know, hey, this is showing what we're willing to do and then having that engage the members, you know, it's kind of similar to that. And uh, and so, you know, with this structure test, it was basically time to test their, you know, 18 long, 18 month long, you know, push uh, under this new core um, leadership. And uh, 
the CTU leader, Jesse Sharkey, had described the strategy kind of this way. We decided to hold a mock strike vote, and we did it over three days. We had charted the entire union. We had charts all over the walls, taking up entire rooms in our offices. We had a 40-person team working the vote. The union's district supervisors were the key people in the room with the staff. There were 49 district supervisors, uh, appointed teachers, who earned a small stipend for the job, uh, which was to say, which was to stay in touch with the delegates in their turf between meetings, and we planned it so that right in the middle of it was our monthly House of Delegates meeting, so we could announce how it was going on day two and giving out assignments for each school delegate for the third and final day of voting. So they basically said they they had this really important meeting that they knew that a bunch of people were going to show up, and they put that uh, the voting for this. Uh, this like strike vote or this mock strike vote, I guess, uh, right in that, that period of time. So they would have the most engagement possible and, um, staging this, uh, staging the three days of voting around the house of delegates meeting where, when 800 teachers across the city would come together was basically part of this ongoing campaign, uh, by the union's leaders to both, uh, teach and empower the members of their own union to take responsibility for it and to see themselves as leaders of the union, which is exactly what we're talking about. We talk about rank and file unionism is it's not just like, uh, Oh, you know, everybody's got the power. And then we sit back and, and, you know, fold our hands. It's like, no, you actually, there's education involved in this and there's actually engaging people showing them the way that their power works. And, and Sharkey also added coming out of the mock vote, we did identify the schools where we had weaknesses. And that's, I think, really another important part of this structure test is to see, oh, maybe we didn't get a lot of turnout from this particular school. That means we need to go there and engage with them. Uh, and so this, you know, I mean, knowledge was was very important to the union over the next few months and uh, allowed them to to better organize places where they might not have been as organized. And and I guess what they were trying to figure out is what was going on that was actually causing this lack of organization. And they kind of determined that there were about three scenarios that would that would be you know culprits of this issue. And it's like the delegates were not organic orga- orga- organic leaders that were able to like connect with people, and uh, or, the, or the delegate was opposed to the idea of the strike which required, you know, kind of a development in the leadership themselves and uh, or even to, to, you know, get new delegates or uh, the school was missing a delegate altogether, which obviously would put a big hole in the ability for the union to organize in that area. And so the union set out to basically address all of these core issues, whether they be lack of delegates, uh, you know, non-militant delegates or just unengaged delegates that maybe were not, you know, teaching, the, uh, going around to the teachers and being like true shop stewards in the way that they should be.
See you.